I'm now at the end of my cut for 2022, and I thought it'd be a good idea to put together a little list of lessons learned from this last cut. I actually kind of did this at the end of the, the actual log of my cut. I went over some of these things, most of these things. But the thing is, that's, that's like a two-hour thing. That's a two-hour uh, episode of, and it's... I don't know. It's it's just a bit of a mess to get through. So I thought I might as well do a separate one here just to as a quick reference to what lessons I learned. That's what this is all about. It's all about refining and learning. And um, so makes sense to list here 2022's lessons from dieting. first lesson of the year was don't start extreme. And this was a lesson that looking back maybe should have seemed obvious to me, but what happened was I was listening to, I, I hesitate to bring up his name because I, I really like this guy, but uh, it's Fazlift. And one of his recommendations was to do with extreme low diets. And his, he was saying that that can be a very effective way to do things like a mini cut, do a, uh, or start off a diet. And the way he was describing it, it sounded like, well, what you can do is you can basically jumpstart your cut by going quite low calorie around, say, like 1200 is where I decided to start, uh, 1200 calories a day. You can do this and you won't risk losing any extra muscle, but what you will do is lose tons of weight at the beginning and get rid of some extra fat and just not mess around and basically get it done. Well, what wound up happening was that I, yes, I lost a bunch of weight at the beginning. It was all water weight, not all, but most of it was water weight. I felt terrible. I felt foggy-minded and kind of stupid and slow. I felt irritable, miserable, uh, weak. Uh, my lift suddenly took a steep drop in the gym. So, um, so my workouts by themselves, I didn't have any energy. So not only was I weaker, like for the momentary strength, I was gassed a lot quicker. I didn't have the endurance, so my workouts were terrible. So just just that by itself, the, the bad workouts made this, to me, an ineffective approach because, because if I had just gone a slight, a moderate way, just have a slight moderate deficit to start with, and yet I had a better workout, well, then the actual fat loss probably, in fact, would have been more and I wouldn't have had to feel like crap. So going extreme, I think, was a bad idea. The only time when there might potentially be some merit to that kind of thing, I think, would be in a peak week type situation. But I'm, I'm even having doubts about that, to be honest, because this year, 
if you've heard my log on Peak Week, it's I'm I'm not totally convinced that the changes were super dramatic. So I'd say, yeah, I, I just simply don't see a need for going extreme like that. If if you're interested in physical improvement, that's mainly why you're doing this to make to look good. I would say don't do that kind of thing. Instead, moderation. I've found personally I do better when I while in like for cutting purposes, while in a deficit, while hitting my protein numbers, keep carbohydrates as high as I can. That doesn't mean totally neglect fats, but I kind of do tend to prioritize them a little bit because my strength is better. And when my strength is better, I get better workouts. And when I get better workouts, I wind up retaining more muscle and uh, retaining more strength and ultimately losing more fat. So don't go extreme. That's lesson number one. Second one is essentially I just confirmed what I was um, theorizing, I guess, last year, which is that there's a window. And this is really more applicable, to be honest, if you're doing something like a transformation challenge. If you're just losing weight and losing as much as you can, then it's kind of nice to know, but it doesn't really affect you much aside from knowing that this is probably where I'll get to looking really good. There seems to be a window from where you go from looking good to looking really good. And that's that's important from a transformation challenge standpoint because what I've noticed in the past is if I've started too heavy, then you just go from looking fat to looking slightly less fat. If you start too skinny, you can go from looking skinny to skinnier. There's a narrow window in there where within a, say, three-month time t- time period, if you're just cutting like normal, you actually go from looking average to looking good, to looking really good. And... I theorized for me that that was around going from around 17% body fat to around maybe 14. And that for me is achievable within about three months. And I basically just confirmed that. I confirmed that window does exist and that's where it is for me. Now, okay, I want to caveat this though. That's the numbers I give, 17 to 14%. I actually, I I wasn't really convinced that I was around 14%. So the uh, the nurse at work did a uh, multi-site caliper test on me. And the lowest her chart went is 12%. She said, no, you're, you're below it. She couldn't even tell me what I was, just that I was below 12%. And uh, I was also supposedly, according to her, the leanest person that, that that was the lowest reading she ever took in the office. So... That was nice to hear and everything, but um, but I couldn't get an actual number for probably about where I was, except that she said I was she said I was almost certainly lower than twelve percent, and I had uh, some people look at me and say they estimate I'm around nine. But as far as my, my scale is concerned, it seems to be what what my scale reads as fourteen percent. Um, as, as the, 
yeah, so that's the window based on what I have, my scale and that. So uh, the, the, all I'm saying is the I seem to have confirmed this year that that window does actually seem to exist and is a good place for me to, to I suppose, if, for the sake of any, say, three-month cut, if I'm, it just gives you a sense of where you can realistically get to. Um, that being said, I'm also, I, I notice when I get to this level of leanness, my face gets quite gaunt. My clothes start hanging off me a little bit. If not for things like a challenge or whatever, I don't know that I, I'd even want to be this lean, but I know where that window seems to be. And that's potentially quite helpful. Another thing I learned was to do with my training split. So last year I did a, for the tail end of my cut, I did, I was doing sort of a body part split, a bro split more or less. This year I decided to do something a little different because I had found a strength training program in my gaining phase that worked so well for me. And I was thinking, well, I kind of want to maintain as much strength as possible. So I just continued that strength split through that seemed to work well for me I seem to have I think it helped keeping my muscles nice and full and keeping the size and everything um did it help me maintain my strength well I, I did lose strength but I think it'll make it easier when I'm going back into a gaining phase that because I'm used to this split and used to these movements that um getting back into it and bouncing back to strength my hope is that it speeds that process up a little bit but it seemed like a perfectly viable split the one mistake I did early on with it was I had it in my brain I was thinking well this is a cut I'm not really too concerned with my legs so I'll swap out my legs for biceps and which would give my biceps extra work and my legs a little bit less work um that was dumb <laughs> uh, yeah I I was it wound up making no sense because what that wound up meaning was the way my training split was set up was that I was actually hitting biceps every single day and legs just twice a week. So basically don't, don't mess with it too much. Don't mess with what works. Just do what is established to work, I would say is the best lesson in terms of training splits. Okay, a couple food lessons. The first one was that I learned, I realized that Daily, tracking calories daily is important. It is good, but it still leaves some variables aside. And one of those variables it leaves aside is that just a, a daily way, and it's because I was in, cal in a deficit today, doesn't mean I'm going to be lower in weight tomorrow. Because maybe the day before I was so high that... I've, I haven't made up for it yet. So having a bigger, broader picture to that, a an average of a few days, I found somewhere between three and five days seems to be about, gives me a more accurate view, picture of what's going on. So that was, that was a good one. Also, having food pre-workout, I think is extremely, has proven to be extremely helpful for me. I'm used to training. I was used to training empty stomach, but I decided no. I'm I'm gonna start having food beforehand. I started with a 
half serving of cream of rice with a half serving of protein. That worked really well. But when I was wanting to cut the calories down, I switched it to just a protein shake. Uh, that, that also seemed to work fine. I think that in conjunction with my last meal of the day, so which was usually something like Greek yogurt with some oatmeal. So I had this, this slow digesting carbs and I was carb, uh, slow digesting protein and I was carbing up. I think those really helped with my workouts. So I would say going forward, especially going into a gaining phase, um, training on an empty stomach, probably suboptimal. And I think uh, now that I've gotten into this habit where I, I gave myself a little extra time in the morning, I woke up uh, 15 minutes early so I could get some food in. And I think that's a great, that was a great practice. The next lesson had to do with post-workout cardio. Now last year, in my first cut of the year, I was doing post-workout cardio, but I was also training on an empty stomach. So that might have had to do with why I felt it was flattening out my muscles and maybe not working well and I wasn't able to recover. I think it can be a viable option, especially in the latter half of a cut where you're trying to burn more calories. It might be suboptimal in the interest of purely building muscle. I would say when I'm in a gaining phase, I probably, well, I certainly won't be doing post-workout cardio. I would separate that from my weight training. But in a cutting phase, especially towards the end where you're struggling maybe to, or say you hit a plateau or whatever, and you just want to increase your deficit, uh, cardio after training seems to work just fine. So I think I, I would have benefited from a little bit more ab work towards the end of my uh, of my cut. My there seems there tends to be a lot of core training within my program just because of all the stability stuff that you have to do for the lifts anyway. But towards the end, I think trying to giving a little bit more time to abs probably would be beneficial in a cut type situation, especially like what I'm doing, like a transformation challenge. And I'll just finish this off talking about what I learned in peak week. Peak week in 2021 was not bad. Not I kept reminding myself I'm doing this for the love of it. It's enjoyable. I'm trying to uh, rewire the training that, oh, this is hell week and this is terrible and it's miserable and you're going to hate it and all that stuff. I tried to have fun with it. I tried to make it enjoyable. Um... And it worked last year. It didn't work so well this year. I was extremely irritable. Now, the, the one difference I did was I did more of the water manipulation this year. Last year, I wasn't, I figured it probably would make less of a difference. And I think I was right about that. I don't know how much extra difference it did. It does make you miserable to be always peeing or always um, dehydrated or both. Uh, does it, did it help a lot? Well, and, and that's the other thing is looking at my pictures from day one of peak week to day six of peak week, side by side, the differences to me are negligible. So, and that's at a pretty lean, uh, body weight. So if you haven't got visible abs, 100% do not do it. You're wasting your time. You're going to be miserable for nothing. The thing is, because the protocol is so different too, I think you're actually would be worse off because you won't get 
any of the muscle building or true fat loss that you would get from your that your normal routine is probably giving you. Is it the case that just my methods need to be slightly refined? Potentially, yes. But it, I'm, I'm just skeptical. I just remain skeptical of whether or not it was actually worthwhile. In fact, I'm leaning towards if I do this kind of cut again next year or maybe the year after, of just more or less seeing what happens if I don't do it potentially doing it like a maybe a small carb depletion at the end just to rapid water loss essentially and that would help with the weigh-in numbers and um and probably and might help with the definition a little bit and and then just like maybe a couple rice cakes prior to the pictures or something just to have a quick carb up but not an extensive one like the one I've I did um, yeah, I, I just, uh, it's not so much a lesson as just a big question mark for this year as to whether or not it was worth the trouble. Because this year when I went through peak week, if you listen to my log on it, I was pretty miserable. I, I tried to keep positive in things, but it's just, I was in a foul mood all the time and feeling relatively crappy and I just don't know if it's worth it I I really don't so so I'm gonna wrap it up there there are my lessons learned from this year's cut hopefully uh, this has been helpful okay I'm here in my car and I'm I hope you can hear me okay just going to add one quick one on to the end here because um after after recording the the other lessons I learned, I was finishing up the the cut, and my wife and I, uh, well, we we were cutting together, and we ended the cut on our anniversary. So we kind of went out. We had a nice relaxed day. It was a time to enjoy our time together and to enjoy not being on a diet any longer. So. <laughs> We, that night, we decided, you know what, let's, it, not, not the most romantic thing in the world, but we, um, we kind of wanted to return to this buffet that we had been to and, um, and get to actually enjoy it. So we did that. I spent about two and a half hours in pure misery, uh, that night. I, so... <laughs> I'm the lesson there might have been I don't know what it was about it I because it didn't feel exactly like I overate it did feel like I overate but it also felt like I overate foods that like because they were so greasy or something or maybe just so high in sodium and it might have had to do with partially with being so sodium depleted or or something depleted from having done the dehydration crap which I don't think I want to ever do again. Um, and then having tons of MSG or whatever, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was pure misery for a few hours and it almost ruined our uh, anniversary night. Um, so I think the lesson there is just just be mindful, especially after a long diet of, of eating foods uh, 
in large quantities that your body is not used to uh, can lead to misery. Um, but another thing is uh, waking up this morning. The, the tricky thing with coming off of a diet is sometimes you feel a little bit in limbo, a little bit wondering what to do next. Now, fortunately, Nancy and I have a plan. That plan started off by giving ourselves two weeks to have a bit of a rest. But the plan is that I'll still be tracking my calories during that time. I'll still be logging in and doing those kinds of things. I didn't really yesterday, but the plan is to do those things today and over the next couple of weeks because you don't want to fall out of the good habits that you said that that you set. And so it's so important to to have continuing plans and to not lose the good things that you implemented.